Hey there, this is Ivani from Hedgecraft Heirlooms, also the Heirloom Witch. And this is a test recording, or maybe even the first recording, of this new podcast uh, that is offered through uh, my blog. So I thought I would give it a try. And I'm starting with an entry that was originally posted to my blog back in January, but it sort of became the beginning of a series of posts that I feel require this sort of introduction. So the title of this episode is When the Magic Stopped. Now, of course, the truth is that the magic has never actually stopped per se, but it did go underground for a long, long time. Even though magic is still slowly crawling out of the recesses of the dark caves of our collective subconscious, a lot has been lost. A lot more is being rediscovered and created every day. And while that thought gives me great hope for the future of the old ways, as they change to fit a constantly evolving present and future, that's not exactly what I wanted to talk about today. This, this, this episode, what I want to talk about is how magic actually never stopped and how I feel that makes our love of all things vintage and delightfully secondhand that much more magical. So this marks the first time that I had done a topic that I'd been wanting to do for a really long time, which is witchcraft through the decades. So this was the introduction to to that series. Uh, And there's one thing that underlies all of the decades leading up to the present, and that is the hidden and plain sight nature of magic and witchcraft. The last time that magic was a day-to-day occurrence was before the advent of the Abrahamic religions, when almost the entire world was pagan. Even then, there were stories of witches and black magic to explain away the bad things that happened. When crops were blighted or a pestilence destroyed a domesticated herd, magic as we know it today was a daily practice of mindfulness and intuitive development. And it was the realm of the village what midwife, herbalist, cunning folk, witch doctor, seer, healer, vulva. The term varied from culture to culture, but they existed worldwide. And they lived on the fringes of society and were often feared for their power as much as they were respected. But there was a deep and palpable honor bestowed to these hedgewalkers who kept a foot in both the physical and the spiritual world. It was the word witch itself that was taboo, but not the actual practice that is what most witches today are actually utilizing. Now that I've painted this kind of tidy picture of the past, which I know is of course way more complicated than I can fit into this single episode, we can start to fast forward a little bit to when all of this changed. Within the Abrahamic traditions, one fact is fact is plainly apparent. And that is that the God of Abraham is a jealous God. No false idols were to be worshipped before him. And this simple idiom and a whole ton of politics I won't even begin to crack the surface of here is why any and all gods other than the big G-O-D, also known as Yahweh, were perceived as a threat. If your next door neighbor was an antler-toting, pot-smoking heathen, it could be seen that God would rain punishment down just because of proximity to the hearsay. Plus, in New Testament Christianity, followers are tasked to go into the world and teach the gospel to all creation, a perfect storm for the oppression of magic. When Christianity began its mass takeover and colonization, 
and colonization became the cool thing to do, it became of the utmost importance to squash the old ways, as it were. Those that refused to evolve and change were persecuted, and those that often did fell into one of two categories. The one being authentic conversion, or my personal favorite, paganism hidden in plain sight under the guise of Christianity. Catholicism made this masquerade all the more simple by systematic canonization of saints, giving any person a, a plethora of what amounted to demigods to become avatars of the old gods without any of the Christian overlords taking notice. Okay, I know that language probably seems a little harsh, but I am trying to just dramatically illustrate how it must have felt from the perspective of those living through it. When antlers and the use of herbs or drums for healing became a suspect, a similar transformation took place. Instead of the usual special tools dedicated to the creation of magic and healing, people instead began to turn to what they did have on hand, which were overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly everyday items and objects. This began the long history of cauldron pots being used to brew potions, wooden spoons used as magic wands, and brooms because they were used to clear out stale or negative energy. And I don't think we can be oblivious enough to assume that stuff as the decades passed. We can make guesses about what everyday objects performed what task. That's part of what I do in my work as a, you know, a vintage curator and reseller, which I enjoy greatly. But the wonderful conclusion to all of this is that magic never really goes away. Sometimes it must hide in plain sight in order to continue on living, but that has, but that it has and that it will continue to do so as needed. What everyday objects do you include in your craft that you find invaluable that you would be lost without? This is a great way to think about how we can include our practice in our everyday life using the objects we have around us.